Hi, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another in our series of one-on-one podcasts. And today, going one-on-one with me, I have Dr. Jeffrey Nimroff, who's CIO at Zeta Global. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, I know Zeta has an office in New York. It has offices all over the place. I think there's one in India. Where are you based? So I'm based in New York. We do have a facility of our own in India. We have facilities in the EU, and we're East Coast, West Coast, North, South, you know, onshore here in America as well. Okay, truly global. And congratulations, by the way, because um, a couple of months back, I think, the Gartner Magic Quadrant on digital marketing hubs classed CETA Global at, in its visionary section, so that must be very pleasing, especially if you're on the innovation side. That is correct. So we actually participate in two of Gartner's Magic Quadrants, mm-hmm. and that was the latest one. And um, we try to participate wherever we can. You know, other publications, other means by which the industry grades itself, you know, we grade pretty well, and we're uh, proud of that. Very good. Now, I obviously want to dive into what Zeta Global offers, but first of all, I thought, talk a bit about your background, I know you have um, you have some footprints in academia. Um, before you came to Zeta, you spent a few years at GSI Commerce, which became eBay Enterprise. So, what's your disciplines? What's your background? And what, just summarize for us your path to Zeta. Sure. So I did start in academia, and um, as our uh, chairman and CEO likes to say, I was a early machine learning guy. Uh-huh. So my particular area of expertise in academia was trying to find patterns in data that was multimedia oriented. Mm-hmm. So a means of making movie making, audio uh, production more efficient. So oh, early okay. artificial intelligence algorithms and it sort of drove my love of uh, you know, data management. Um, moved out of academia into the world of early internet music. <laughs> Wrote that up and down a couple of times. Uh, came out the other end um, working with uh, Bertelsmann, which is a very large mm-hmm. private company, in their uh, leading their music group, and um, and then um, actually uh, moved to work with a couple of the people who have moved on to work at Zeta. Mm-hmm. So I have an early relationship in um, marketing analytics in the early 2000s with uh, Steve Gerber, who's our president and COO. Um, After working with them for a little bit, I jumped into the e-commerce world, working with GSI Commerce, which became eBay Enterprise. Um, And my role there was around solutioning, which was the role of taking the product, which the internal team built, and uh, we would deploy the product for very large brands and retailers, and we would do it you know, six to 12 times a year. The goal being to bring someone online who was large and well-known, but was not yet online at that point. Right. So it would have been the NFL and, and brands like that, Toys R Us, um, you know, participating in their entree into e-commerce and the internet. Okay, excellent. And uh, so Zeta positions itself, this is really where I wanted to start with you, exactly how it positions itself, because so many of the... Um, Brands in the broad marketing tech tech space I talk to are in a process of evolution. So when I when I think of Zeta, I think of data analytics, machine learning, but geared towards um, customer lifecycle, customer acquisition, retention. Put in your own words. Where, where do you sit right now? I, I I believe the way you've categorized it is a really great place to start. We often say that we solve a CMO's greatest challenges and they run through the full life cycle. 
they want to acquire customers, they want to hold on to them longer, they want to build deeper and more meaningful relationships, and they, of course, want to monetize in some way, shape, or form. Um, the ecosystem, you know, the big brands that you hear who work in this particular space, all cover different areas of okay. that end-to-end -end sort of flow, and uh, Zeta's uniquely positioned to participate everywhere. Because unlike competitors, we'll say on the technology side, we have a proprietary data set of over 350 million well-curated names. So we're able to participate in an acquisition realm where a software provider is not. And then if you work with someone who would compete with us in the data space, and there are many of those, they could be credit bureaus and data augmentation companies, they don't have their data permissioned the way that we do, and they don't inherently have the delivery platform that we do. So we have the software like the software guys, and then we have the data like the data guys. And it lets us you know, work uniquely across retention as well as acquisition. And a delivery platform as well, so you're delivering the, the marketing messages where clients require it. That is correct. So as it relates to the, you know, the, the Gartner reports where they talk about multi-channel campaign management mm -hmm. or data management, um, we have the endpoint delivery, so a very scalable way to get out you know, any large number of marketing messages. It could be a, you know, a run of emails, it could be social media marketing, it could be, you know, any of the other smaller but growing channels. So we can deploy within and across channels with the best of them. Okay, so curated data set plus what sounds to me like a range of marketing automation tools addressing the various channels. It's almost as if you've looked at my way of, no, no, honestly, my yeah. way of presenting things. Okay. I, I talk about curated and nurtured data. Yeah. So that's really where we got our start. First party data, establishing relationships, be, you know, curating that information and then using it in an acquisition context. So that is very important to what we do. And then, of course, the technology to make it all you know, actionable. Okay. Now, I've seen uh, CRM highlighted amongst you know, in your portfolio, as it were. So I, I can assume you've got clients' CRM data, which you can use, but you have other data sources, correct? So that is correct. So if you think about the standard CRM relationship, um, especially in my world of information, that is completely and utterly our clients' information. So segregated, mm -hmm. securely managed, um, and specialized, towards those particular CRM clients with the goal of you know, allowing them to have very meaningful conversations with those people they know. Their data, they want to you know, sub-segment or target, they want to present certain messaging, one-off, newsletter, et cetera. The standard notion of retention marketing, we do in a very optimal and secure way. So they, uh, in that case, we are you know, a curator or a holder of their data and we help them act on it. We do have a first party data set, okay. which exists within our acquisition world. It can be used to match and augment a CRM client's data. It can be used in the general sense of building lookalike audiences that could ultimately be acquired into you know, a CRM data set for a brand, but they are you know, treated distinctly differently. They're curated you know, in a unique manner and we very much understand and appreciate 
you know, regulatory and other aspects of compliance that our you know, clients need from their data. Indeed, okay. And what about probabilistic data? I mean, the whole social conversation that's going on. All that data where there's a little bit, there are a few more steps to take to tie it to particular individuals. Are, are you sourcing that as well? So we participate in that ecosystem as well. So where, um, you know, where we're sort of broad is in the algorithms that can ultimately link data together, the algorithms that let a CRM population with their success rate be extended into the world of you know, our data, you know, audience extension, lookalike models, et cetera. We then have the means by which we can either pass the appropriate keys or the appropriate criteria into the social media marketing world, yeah. you know, to to extend in that particular capacity. So we do, you know, through our data science group and through the algorithmics, you know, ec- extend that data in a you know a probabilistic manner. Okay. Now, you've mentioned the um, the great phrase which is on everyone's lips: machine learning. Um, personally, I prefer that to artificial intelligence for, for all kinds of reasons we could go into. So tell me, where does machine learning enter into your various offerings? Great question, and I agree. Coming from you know from academia, artificial intelligence—that aspirational notion yeah. of the mimicry of, of the either what what we can do with the human mind or doing it how the human mind does it—very <laughs> broad field. Um, machine learning to us is around algorithms for prediction and patterns. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part. Um, if you drive things in a supervised manner, you let the algorithms work against success criteria that you know, yeah. um, a set of transactions that say these people have done whatever you wanted them to do, so how do you find patterns that extend into those people who you don't know? Yeah. But again, with that chosen success criteria, we, we build a lot of uh, you know, algorithms based on that supervised approach, and then as we are getting you know, better at what we do in a supervised manner, it starts to, you know, lend itself to how we control, you know, or configure the unsupervised approaches, okay. which churn through uh, the data irrespective of what you think is successful, and it starts to, you know, spit out the data and the notion of success. So we're we're walking the path the way I think it should be walked from right. a supervised approach through an unsupervised approach, and then obviously. Um, Deep learning is a, a new phrase that's coming up, which has to do with you know, hierarchical structures. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, you know, we're moving in that direction as well. And we're building the tech to make it all efficient. That's, it's a very exciting time uh, to live in from, from that perspective, and we, we could talk about it for hours. Um, I guess I should ask you, is, is the core of your uh, machine learning expertise, is it in-house, or are you partnering with others for this? So, I mean, I would say it is both... Um, we have the core expertise internally built, and we're growing that practice area across all of our offices. But through the establishing of, of advisory committees, we are looking to bring in the best and brightest that exist in academia, across you know, uh, the corporate world, the commercial world. So we do not rely solely in an external manner. We've built a very strong core capability, um, but we're not a, really a closed ecosystem sure. in that respect. We want to participate with everyone. Okay, I think the best way to introduce the next topic I wanted to cover is to refer 
briefly to competitors in this space. There are obviously some very big names out there, names which are kind of almost household names, Adobe, Salesforce, Oracle. Mm -hmm. I do get the impression that Zeta is in the race with these with these kinds of competitors. Is there a concern about like lower name recognition or do you have the name recognition you need with your particular market? Really good question. I thought you were going to ask it in a, a <laughs> slightly different way, okay. but no, uh, but this is this is good. Uh, we um, we're definitely gaining in terms of name recognition. Our goal is to grow our name recognition recognition through successful execution. Right. So we compete in the broadest of RFPs, you know, where it's a, a function of, of demonstrating capabilities across many, many, many very specific software type, you know, elements. And um, if we weren't participating, then I would think that we may not have, you know, the brand momentum, but mm -hmm. we're definitely participating, you know, with, with the larger competitors in that respect. And uh, then I think we have a differentiating way to compete, which is where we're often asked about, you know, those larger players, and, you know, how would you differentiate, yeah. and I think our approach, no matter where we are, you know, we're on the data and acquisition side or within CRM platform side, you know, we always look at our broad set of capabilities as the way in which we compete. Um, but to your original question, I think we're good mm -hmm. and growing on the name recognition. There haven't been RFPs or any sort of requests out there where we've missed an opportunity to participate. Right. And related to that, are there, uh, the answer to this might just be no, which is fine, but are there areas where you see that you need to add capabilities or functionality that you don't currently have? Or do you think you've, you've got a broad set of, of capabilities covered? So I, I think we have the broadest set of capabilities covered. And I actually think in each of every area where we do participate that we have deep coverage as well. So where a competitor can, you know, offer in a demonstration a set of, you know, very sort of intricate scenarios, we participate there, you know, and can execute that way. On the data side, we can obviously express how we have very rich data compared to a data organization. And again, right. that's something that a software company wouldn't have. They'd be very, you know, very structured in saying, we can send any campaign you want, but you may need to get your aggregated information somewhere else. So we, we participate very broadly, um, very deeply. There's always little things that I think we're looking to, you know, build and acquire that is accretive yeah. to what we do, but the core sort of closed-loop multi-channel platform with scalable distribution, great data management, data science, and I think a big differentiator over everyone is the services. Okay. You know, we, it's not a consultative model where we peel off the idea of selling you hours. Everything we do is, is sort of geared towards your or our client's success. So we're there to participate along the way, which I think is sort of a golden thread of differentiation. Okay, makes a lot of sense. We're short of time as ever on this, but I didn't want to let you go without asking you something we were chatting about before we actually hit record. Uh, you're a CIO, and I get to speak to a lot of senior marketers, CMOs, people in the C-suite who come from a marketing background, but of course, we always end up talking about data and technology and software. So you were talking to me about 
how CIOs and CMOs go forward together in this evolving space. Maybe you could elaborate on that. Sure, sure. Um, it's actually been something we've you know been discussing internally, and I discuss in a, in a lot of forums. Um, to me, it's about partnership, and the partnership is often simply expressed as the marketer, CMO, their team bringing in the expression of what they want to do. They may have some ideas about how it's going to get done, mm -hmm. but I think that's where the partnership establishes themselves. So a CIO, a critical thinker, a technologist, is really just bringing a tool set to address the notion of how an interesting marketing problem is going to get solved. Where things get convoluted or they start to overlap is when the, the, the partnership isn't established around that idea of a marketer knowing what they want to do and a technologist knowing how to do it. Technologists will start to make recommendations that may be outside of their expertise and although there are a lot of tools out there that can get you into the game quickly and someone with any sort of tech background or even a, a tech sense mm -hmm. can start to choose tech solutions. So a CMO can often choose you know, a starting point for how they're going to do things. Yeah. All of those solutions are suboptimal until the head tech person and the head marketing person come together and walk that path. Um, it shouldn't just be a given a priori that that's going to work. You need a CIO and a CMO that have a, um, a means of demonstrable success yeah. to ensure that both sides know that this is going to be a, you know, a worthwhile partnership. But as a CMO trusts in getting things built with the help of a CIO or managed with the help of the CIO, they start to understand that you know the synergies of one plus one equaling three, you know, is, is really something they can ascertain. Yeah, and you only have to use the phrase marketing technology to acknowledge just how important this partnership is going to be going forward. Agreed. Okay, thanks very much for joining me today. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks. It was uh, it was a wonderful conversation. And everyone, look out for the next one-on-one -on -one podcast.